You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. There is no forgiveness except in the Lord Jesus Christ and through Him. I want you to understand that God is not blind, some benevolent, gullible kind of a God. You know, all you have to do is ask God to forgive you, kind of a, a God. Saying, listen to me, the moment sin is brought up in the New Testament, immediately Jesus is mentioned. And why is that? because he's the remedy for our sin. How often have you asked God to forgive your sins, but then you just went on living like nothing happened, with no desire or plan to change your ways, to not commit that sin again? Sin is what separates you from having a growing relationship with God. The Bible says that through Jesus' forgiveness of your sins, you can have a restored relationship with God. Pastor Mike will explain today that God wants to forgive you of your sins and have a relationship with you. Now, here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 John chapter 2 as he begins his message, Jesus, our Advocate. I remember what you said, you Again, we're back in 1 John in chapter 2. And the text that we're going to be treating this evening, as I've already mentioned, verses 1 and 2, the title of this evening's message, Jesus, our Advocate. So let's go ahead and read that text of Scripture. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins and not for our sins only, but also for the whole world. So once again, this evening's message, Jesus, our advocate. Now, obviously, in this section of 1 John, John, the beloved apostle, is writing to Christians who are conscious of their sin and their failure. Notice he's addressing that subject here in this text. Individuals who are aware of their own unworthiness. And you know, the truth be told, I mean, this would include us as well. I mean, really, if you've been walking with the Lord for any length of time and, and uh, we realize that how faithful God is in spite of our unfaithfulness, our frailties, our failure to be all that God you know, wants us to be, these words of encouragement would also be extremely relevant to each and every one of us. So John here is seeking to answer those great questions, and I'm sure at one time or another we probably ask these same questions, raise these same questions. How is my fellowship 
with God restored when I sin? We question that. We wonder about that. We wrestle with those sorts of, of questions. We, we, we wonder, if, if is God going to write me off? Or am I going to uh, be disqualified in, in continuing to be one of, uh, of his kids? And how can I be forgiven? These are questions at times that trouble us, particularly, obviously, when we sin. And questions, if not answered, can provide ammunition for our enemy, who is the devil. You know, he'll come along and he'll stop whispering in your ear, look at you, look at what you've done. You claim to be a child of God and you've participated in something like that? And it's one of the, the devil's tricks, if you will. The Bible tells us we're not ignorant of his devices, and he seeks to alienate us from God, to drive a wedge between us and our relationship with God. And you know what? Let me tell you something. He's pretty good at doing that. And that's the very reason why in the book of Revelation, in chapter 12 and verse 10, he's referred to as the accuser of the brethren. Day and night he would accuse you of your sin. So you've sinned. The devil comes along. He comes to us, and he whispers in our ear, hey, listen, you have no right to go back to God. You are supposed to be walking in the light? Huh, yeah, right? Well, how can God forgive you? Listen, he'd love to keep us in a state of wretchedness and misery. You start wondering if you ever were a Christian in the first place. Let me tell you something. John was hip to this sort of thing, right? And that's what he's addressing here in this section of 1 John. And so he lays down this wonderful statement that's a part of our text here in chapter 2 in verses 1 and 2. And I would like to approach it in this way. Could I refer to it as the doctrine of forgiveness? So if you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. Because under that heading, we're going to share all of the different points of this message this evening. So write that down if you're taking notes. The doctrine of forgiveness. So everything that we're going to talk about falls under that heading. Now, there's a couple of things that I want to draw your attention to here. The first of which is, there is no forgiveness except in the Lord Jesus Christ and through him. I want you to understand that God is not blind, some benevolent, gullible kind of a God. You know, all you have to do is ask God to forgive you kind of a, a God. Gang, listen to me. The moment sin is brought up in the New Testament, immediately Jesus is mentioned. And why is that? Because he's the remedy for our sin. He's the solution. He's the answer for our sin. Because there's no forgiveness of sin apart from Jesus. So John puts it like this. If any man sin, and that would include all of us, should I say women as well? Okay, we don't want to leave you out, ladies, okay? So if any man or woman sins, what happens? Do we ask God only to forgive us? Oh, God, forgive us. No, it, it, that doesn't do it by itself all alone. And yes, I, I know what it says prior to and leading up to chapter 2. The Bible says if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But notice he goes on here. And he declares, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus the righteous. And notice, immediately Jesus is brought into the picture. So it's not just good enough to say, oh Lord, forgive me, I've sinned and acknowledge my sin. Jesus has to be a part of that equation. He has to be brought into the mix. Do you understand that? 
So this is, I think, extremely important. And that, in a sense, is the doctrine of the whole Bible. Because you think about it, even in the Old Testament, everything in the Old Testament looked forward to Christ. You know, in our previous studies over the last couple of years, we've studied the book of Exodus. We've studied the book of Leviticus, the book of Numbers. We talked about, in that Old Testament series of studies, how that the, the burnt offerings were foreshadowing Christ and his ministry. The peace offerings, the meal offerings, all of the ceremonies, all of the rituals, the tabernacle, all of the items within the tabernacle, the furniture, then the temple, were all types and shadows of that which was to happen fully in Jesus Christ. So Jesus is always brought into the, to the mix. He's the answer and the solution to man's sin. So John dealing with the question of sin and what can be done about it goes immediately, directly to Jesus. You see, in him alone are we rescued. In him alone are we forgiven. He alone, who more than covers our sin, he does away with those sins. He removes them as far as the east is from the west. It's sort of like God just throws them into the sea of forgetfulness. And so when we go seeking forgiveness, we have no plea but the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, with that said, that sets us up for the title of this message, that is Jesus, our advocate. And under the heading, once again, of the doctrine of forgiveness, let's talk about Jesus as our advocate. Now, how does Christ accomplish or bring to pass our restoration to fellowship with God when, we, when we've sinned? When we're wrestling with that question, have I forfeited my relationship with God, my being a son or a daughter? And the answer to that question is simply by Jesus being our advocate. Now, I guess we ought to talk about an advocate and what an advocate is and what an advocate does. Well, here's a working definition. An advocate is one who represents another, someone who stands before a court and presents the case for someone else. And that's exactly what Jesus does. He represents that person, that would be you and me, and puts forward the pleas. And so John says, if you believe and trust on Jesus, go back to our text, he is our advocate with the Father. Now, also let me say, and let me clear up something that I think some people are confused about. When Jesus pleads our case, it's not before an unwilling Father. It's not as if, you know, Jesus has to convince the Father to forgive us. He's not, understand that God the Father is not opposed to us. He's not insisting on his pound of flesh, right? Jesus isn't pleading desperately, urgently, trying to sway the Father, and he's certainly not sure about his advocacy on our part, and a lot of people are really confused about that. Remember, and this is the proof of that, is in some cross-references of Scripture. I mean, for example, one of the most beloved texts of Scripture in all of the Bible is John 3.16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So, who was it that sent Jesus into the world that we might have the forgiveness of our sins? It was the Father who sent the Son. So don't be confused about the idea that God is unwilling to forgive you of your sin. 
Let me give you another cross-reference. In 2 Corinthians, in chapter 5, in verse 19, the Bible tells us that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. And so here's the bottom line. Let's get rid of the idea that God is unwilling and that he is not prepared to forgive us when we sin. Now, there's another word used here to help us understand Christ's advocacy, and that would be intercessor. Jesus, our intercessor. In the book of Hebrews, in chapter 7, in verse 25, therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost. Those who come to God through him as our great intercessor, since he always lives to make intercession for us or for them. That would be you and me. Aren't you glad? Every time we sin, Jesus is our advocate, he's our intercessor, he stands before us and God the Father and pleads our case. He is our great intercessor. So listen, as Jesus took care of and provided for his followers while he was here upon the earth during his three and a half years of public ministry, he equally looks after all of our interests for us there in heaven. He is representing his people. Is there anything more comforting, more consoling, than to know at the very moment and always the Lord of glory is concerned about you and about me and is watching over us and is representing us? And yes, in spite of our frailty, in spite of our weakness, in spite of our rebellion, in spite of our failing to measure up and live up to God's standards, we have an advocate with the Father. And, and sometimes I think we fail to recognize that or remember that. So when Satan comes, and you, you can be sure he will, it'll come in many different forms, suggestions, fiery darts, whatever. When Satan comes and seeks to separate you from God the Father, stick that wedge, as I had already mentioned, between you and him, and suggest you can't turn back to him, you've crossed over the line, you've gone too far this time, Phenizio. God will never receive you any longer. You've crossed over that imaginary line. You've grieved the Holy Spirit. When Satan comes and begins to suggest that to you, whispers in your ear that you can't turn back, you have no right as one of his children anymore, remember you have an advocate and an intercessor, and he is there to represent you before God the Father. Now, go back to verse 1. John says, we have an advocate with the Father. I want to emphasize that word with. With the Father. That word with is a very important little word. It literally means face to face with the Father. And that brings us to our, our third point, actually, under that uh, heading, the doctrine of forgiveness. Face to face. Jesus is face to face with the Father. It doesn't mean that Jesus now and again is allowed to enter into the presence of the Father to represent us. You know, he's going to get around to it next week, and so for the next week you've alienated from God the Father. God's not going to do anything on your behalf. Things aren't just going to work out. You've sinned, and now you've got to pay the consequences of it for a week or whenever, a month, or whenever Jesus gets around to standing in the presence of God the Father to, to plead your case on your behalf. No, that, it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that Jesus now and again is allowed to enter into the presence of the Father to represent us. He's always there in his presence, face to face, 
looking into his face. The one who represents us is always there in absolute intimacy with the Father. And so when you have sinned, and we will, the Bible tells us if we say that we have no sin, the truth is not in us and we deceive ourselves. And by the way, I'm not giving anyone any license to sin here. I'm not making any concessions with sin. God has given us able uh, resources so that we might not sin. But more than likely, sometime in the future, you're not going to use those resources. You're going to let your guard down. You're going to yield to that temptation. You go into sin. And so when you do sin and are full of a sense of shame and guilt, as we so often are after we've sinned, we think, oh, man, I knew, why in the world did I do that? I, I knew better than that. You know, why did I allow that person to get under my skin and then I, I said something unkind, I traded evil for evil, I shouldn't have done that, or, or whatever. And then we start feeling guilty, right? There's that sense of shame. You feel like you have no right to go back to God. You just feel as if like you're a prodigal son with, with no possibility of being restored to a relationship with the Father. Remember this, that God in Christ has become your father. We have an advocate with the father. He's not a God that is opposed to you, some great indifferent force or power, but rather one who loves you with an infinite father's love. We need to remember that. Think of the, the love that you share with that special person in your life. It might be a, a son, a daughter, it might be your wife, it might be a husband, a sister, brother. Just think about the closest person in your life's experience, whoever that person is, and the way that you love them, the feelings that you feel, the emotions that you have towards that person. Multiply that by a million. That's the way that God loves us. Isn't that amazing? When I fail to love my wife the way that I should love her, or my children the way that I should love them, they don't write me off. They don't say, okay, well, you haven't demonstrated the, the kind of love that I expected from you, and then they just write us off, and then the, that's the end of the relationship. That's not the kind of fellowship. That's not the kind of communion. That's not the kind of relationship that we have with God the Father. His love for us is, is, never, is never broken, you see. We have an advocate with the Father. So he's not a God that is opposed to you, some great indifferent force or power but one who loves you with an infinite Father's love, a greater love than we could ever love another human being. Now, there's something else here. I want you to look at the description of Christ, and this would bring us up to our next point under the heading of the doctrine of forgiveness. Jesus the righteous. So if you're taking notes, write that down. Jesus the righteous. And I'd like to share a cross-reference with you here as it relates to the way that Jesus is recommended to us by John. Jesus the righteous. There's a couple of different applications of this phrase, Jesus the righteous. First of all, Hebrews chapter 4 in verse 15. Hebrews chapter 4 in verse 15. For we do not have a high priest, and that's who he is, the high priest, whoever lives to make intercession for us, who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Now, the first application here, and I find some great comfort and consolation in this fact, when we are conscious of our frailties, we've blown it, we've blown it royally. When we think of our smallness, when we think of God 
in his utter holiness and how I, I've just blown it and I've done something unholy, right? And then I think about God in his utter holiness in heaven. We are tempted in times like that to ask ourselves and begin to entertain the question, how can God understand a human being like myself when I've just fallen the way that I've fallen? And the answer to that question is, again, the advocacy of Jesus Christ. You have an advocate who understands you perfectly. Take a look at what it says there in Hebrews chapter 4. God became man, right? Incarnate, Jesus became a man, in order that he might understand us. He knows exactly the pressures that we're under. Sometimes those pressures, we don't respond in the right way that we should, and it causes us to sin. Maybe stretch the truth, lie, whatever, do something underhanded at work, or something that doesn't glorify the Lord. It, let's call it what it is. It's a sin, right? You fill in the blank, whatever it might be. He understands. Why? Because being the incarnate God, becoming a man, he can sympathize with us in our weakness. And he knows what it's like to be tempted the way that you're being tempted. The very things that have caused you to choose to do the wrong things, to fall, to fall into sin. So the one who is representing you has a feeling and a sympathy for you, and he has an understanding of you and of your infirmities. We have this impression of God, you know, this holy God, and, and he doesn't understand anything that we do. He doesn't understand the pressures that we're under, financial issues, pressures, you know, the, like, you know, he, he can't relate to those things. But Jesus can, you see. And that's the reason why he, he is referred to as our great high priest. Jesus Christ, the anointed one, the appointed one. So get rid of the idea, once and for all, that God is against you. He's not against you, he's for you. It was the Father himself who appointed Jesus as your advocate. Now I want you to think about it. Let, let, let's follow through with that definition. Think about the application of that. He gave him, that is, the Father gave Jesus that office as your advocate. The advocate has been appointed by the judge. Think about that. So, so let's say, for example, you broke the law. Let's say you got a speeding ticket or whatever. I don't know. Just off the top of my head, I'm thinking of something. Okay, so you had to stand before a judge. Maybe this isn't the first time that you broke the law. You just couldn't, like, uh, pay the fine and send it in. You had to stand before the, a judge, and you really were at the mercy of the judge's verdict. But wait a second, the judge that you're standing before, he appointed as your lawyer, as your advocate, your lawyer. In my father's house, there's a place for me. In my father's house. The book of 1 John teaches the importance of growing in your faith. When you accept Jesus' free gift of salvation, it doesn't end there. Jesus transforms you, beginning on that very first day, and He continues to do so as you allow Him access to your life. Each new truth you hear from God's Word has the potential to change you, but you have to decide to let it. 
It's our desire at In My Father's House to present Jesus to you through each program, and we pray He's already making an impact in your life. If you'd like to explore more messages from Pastor Mike, visit harvestnyc.org. You'll find them under the Resources tab. Come visit us, too. You can join us for worship this Sunday at Harvest Christian Fellowship. To find out more and reserve your seat, visit harvestnyc.org or join us online to worship through the live stream. Each Thursday, we're also meeting virtually to step back into the Word and worship the Lord. We'd be honored if you'd join us. 7.30 online at harvestnyc.org. While you're there, be sure to sign up for our email list for daily devotionals and the latest event information at Harvest Christian Fellowship. We'd also ask that you prayerfully consider supporting the ministry of In My Father's House through donation. We appreciate every gift given, and we'll use it to reach more people with the Word of God. Find out more and donate securely online by clicking the Donate tab at harvestnyc.org. That's all for today. We hope you'll join us again right here on In My Father's House. My heart not be troubled.